Hello, everybody. It is the Locked On Big 12 Roundtable. John Williams is here from Locked On Sooners. Emery Lida is here from Locked On Texas Tech. Steven Simcox is here from Locked On Horn Frogs. We have a new Big 12 commissioner, and his name is Brett Yormark. And he's coming over to be the new commissioner of the conference. We're going to break it all down. Is this a good move? Uh, what are the biggest challenges? Where do we go from here? What other things is set in motion? All of that and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, once again, it's Locked On Big 12 Podcast. I have half-working glasses uh, <laughs> fun way to start the show. I messed up the intro, but hey, we're here. We've got a new com- we got a new commissioner. Um, and I'll tell you guys this. So, Sports Illustrated had an article. Pat Forty wrote it, and it was number one. It starts off with Pat Forty, Mizzou alum. We love it. Um, on your mark, get set. Which is like, I mean, this you know probably dreamed of writing this lead in journalism school <laughs> at Mizzou. I can tell you that. But um the reactions were pretty negative and I, I want to start with these quotes. I, I'm, I'm not going to do, you know, thoughts on the higher whatever. Like this, this is what people were saying in the conference. All right. This is what y'all want to hear. This is the juicy stuff. One big 12 AD asked sports illustrated. So asked Pat 40, he said, what's his name? Does he know anything about our business? Now it says that he asked, I believe it to be sarcastic. Um, Another one said, I'm not familiar with that name. I guess we'll put on good concerts. Just because you don't know someone doesn't mean they won't be a good choice. But this isn't a time for a whole lot of on-the-job training. An administrator outside the league said, I would, I would like to be optimistic, but this is a disaster in the making. Okay, Stephen, I'll go to you first. Did you feel this way when you saw that the hire was made? Because I, I certainly did not. No, I'm really surprised. I mean, it's certainly outside the box, but like, I think first we have to ask, what does the Big 12 commissioner actually do? Like, I understand there is a benefit to being within the sphere of college athletics, but honestly, if there was a time for an outsider to come on the job, it would be now because college athletics, as we know it, is changing on what seems like almost a daily basis. The landscape of it's changing a lot. College football especially is essentially becoming a professional sport. And Mm -hmm. the most important things here are, can you market your conference in a positive way? Um, And I I think, you know, TV deals, negotiating, media rights, those types of situations. And then, like, I think for the Big 12, a really important aspect of this too, especially with Texas and OU leaving, is – you need to be leading the charge on playoff expansion and trying to, you know, rally other conferences to get that done. I feel like Brett Yormark can do all those things. Um, you know, is he going to come in and have hot takes about like rules and regulations and football and basketball? Probably not, but I don't really think that's the most important part of the job at this point. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I knew who he was before I heard right. the name, but just quickly reading up on him. I mean, he has some experience in pro sports, you know, worked with the Nets, worked in NASCAR, um, Rock Nation is, I mean, it's it's a music business, but it's also a sports agency. Like, really, this is just about Bob Bowlesby. I think he took some unfair criticism. You know, I feel like the 
worst thing that happened to him was the two flagship universities leaving. But honestly, like they did that behind his back and could he have been more proactive? Sure. But like that was their decision to go ahead and do it. And they did that all behind the scenes. So you need someone with some energy, with some enthusiasm. And I think the the most positive thing that I heard was the uh, presidents of the universities, like they were blown away by his vision and sort of what he was casting for the future of the big 12. So if that's what they saw when they talked to him, then I'll trust them on that. And you need somebody who kind of understands how this is going to move and shake and just sees a couple steps ahead. Because I, I think that's the most fair criticism of big 12 in the last decade or so is that the conference just didn't see what was going to happen in college athletics. And they were constantly being reactive to, you know, a lot of the dominoes that were falling around the country. Emory, I'm going to go to you on this one. Are you somebody that believes that this might not be positive because what does Brett Yormark know about Lubbock, Texas? What does he know about Red Raider football or basketball or baseball? Or do you think it's like, no, this needs to be a visionary business person because the business just took a big hit and they got to turn that around? Because that's kind of where I am. No, I, I'm with you on that. I think, if anything, it's the complete opposite. Like, for decades now, the philosophy about hiring college co- or college conference commissioners has often been trying to find the right person that knows a lot about football in the area, knows a lot about sports in the area. And I simply think times are changing. If you're in the Big 12 and you've just seen your two flagship universities leave, you're not going to win this battle of conference realignment and stay as a conference powerhouse by simply doing the traditional approach of just hiring a sort of normal conference commissioner. You need someone that has that vision long-term and can kind of have a good feel. Like I like what Yormac has done in a variety of different industries. I mean, you look at his tenure, obviously working with Rock Nation, that's something, I mean, we, we all know how many different ventures they go down, whether it be in the concert industry, whether it be in sports, even kind of, making their mark in the web three stuff as well. Like you see all of the different marks that rock nation have made. You look at what your specifically has done with the nets and making Barclay center attractive. And then you see as well, he had his hand tied in NASCAR at the time when NASCAR was at his peak in the early 2000s. So your a guy that's been in a lot of different successful areas. And he's also been in areas that have seen a lot of change over the course of the years. And so I feel like that sort of philosophy of going after guys that have success in a variety of different industries that to me is more sustainable than someone that might know a little bit more about playing football in Lubbock. Because at the end of the day, college football, college sports in general is a business. And people might not want to hear that, but when it comes down to it, someone that has so much experience with the business side of different things and has had success in sports marketing and everything, that to me makes a better commissioner. And you're not going to win you're not going to win this battle of conference realignment and make the big 12 the best it can be without someone that has a really good business sense. So I like to hire if the other, if the athletic directors and presidents of the university are behind him and trust his vision, I think it's a good move to go after him. And I think it was the right move. Uh, John. So this is because OU's is kind of in this interesting, in this really interesting spot with, you know, being the ones that that's transitioned or they're going to be making the transition. But uh, I have to, I think I want to mention this, like your mark had experience with the Nets when they were transitioning from New Jersey to Brooklyn, which is obviously, you know, that is transition. That is something that's big and they thrived when they made it to Barclays. Uh, also, he was apparently a big part of that deal for, with NASCAR, with Nextel, 
which ended up sponsoring the Cup Series, and that was a huge, huge deal for NASCAR when that when that when that went down when that happened. Um, so you know, your thoughts as somebody whose team is going to be here just for a little bit longer, but uh, you know, just initially when you saw it. Well, initially I had the same reaction as some of the ADs, like who? Because I didn't right. know who he was. But it's like Stephen mentioned, you know, you read up on the guy and the vast experience that he has is going to be translatable. I mean, it's a, like Emery said, it's a business. And his job is to get out there, promote the conference, make as much money for the conference as they possibly can, and make sure that the conference is sustainable long term. I think one interesting aspect that might come up, and we haven't heard this yet, but what is his experience with Rock Nation that is a sports agency also? What does that do for them on the NIL front? Does yeah. he have a way of maybe providing some insight into how the Big 12 schools can operate better in NIL in order to attract higher profile targets and higher profile recruits? I think that's going to be an interesting aspect of this that nobody's really touched on yet. But I think it's a really good outside-the-box hire because you've got to do something different. It's, it's a whole new world in college football, and you've got to go somewhere else for your insight. And you've got to look at somebody who's had success in business, in sports business. And he's done that. He's proven that. And again, if the presidents are on board, I think they have a bigger vision sometimes than the ADs who are very, a lot of times, just football-minded. And if the presidents can see the big picture of this and see how it's going to work out, then it's probably going to work out really, really good for the Big 12. And, I mean, what's not to like a guy that's going to be able to go in and negotiate big-time deals with the media rights package coming up in the next few years? Like, that's going to be a guy that's going to be on the forefront of that and going to help the Big 12 secure the best possible media package uh, available. Right. And, like, George Klyavkov, you know, this is not the first time we've seen this. Um, I, I would say people always got to mention Kevin Warren. He was CEO of the Vikings, so – that's a bit more sports adjacent that I think like Klyavkov and, and uh, your Mark are it, the, these hires. Like I, when, and also whenever I hear George Klyavkov talk and I get the pleasure of working the PAC 12 channel a lot for Sirius XM, like he's really well-spoken. I, I don't agree with everything that he says all the time, but it's not like he doesn't have a good idea of the product of what the PAC 12 is. Like, I'm sorry. We, we, we all like to think that we're special, but like, it's he's gonna need help, you or Mark Will, but I don't think this is a guy who's not going to understand what Big 12 football is, right? Or what the Big 12 is. The Big 12 is a is a power five league still in football that is trying to maintain that, that is losing its two biggest financial assets, that is the best co- league in college basketball and pretty and really good softball and really good although they're losing, you know, obviously Oklahoma and Texas. Uh still gonna be good at softball though. Uh, and really good at baseball as well. Like that's kind of the, that's kind of the upshot on the, on the you know on things that make money. Like that is that's kind of what we're looking at there. I, I don't think I don't think it's going to take years for him to understand what the product is. Like that's kind of that's kind of what people in marketing do. Like you don't have to study something forever to know how to sell it and package it and do all these things. Go to do your research. I'm sure he will. And I'm sure he already has. I'm sure he's got a pretty good, you know, idea of what, where things are, but like the idea he needs to be in the trenches to sell this to a TV network. I don't think that's necessarily true. Does anybody else agree with that or disagree with that? No, not at all. I mean, it's college football and yes. it's college football in an area that of the country that loves college football. So it's a pretty easy sell. The, the trick is 
how much can you get for it? Like you're going to be able to get a big, big chunk of change for the media rights deal, but it's just a matter of how much. And the guy's got the experience negotiating big time, you know, uh, advertising big time contracts across these multiple sports experiences that he's going to be able to do really, really well for the big 12. Yeah, I agree with Josh. I also think, you know, having somebody who spent a vast amount of time in media will be helpful from the standpoint of, okay, what is the next big thing? Should we, should we pivot to, you know, almost exclusively streaming? What does right. that look like? which one of these streaming services can support a big time major conference, still put together a quality product. And yeah, as you and John said, like to a certain extent, sales is sales. Like you have a product, you're selling that product. You're trying to get people to get the most you can for it. I mean, that's something that's translatable and he does have sports experience. It's just not really in the college sports world. It, oh, go ahead. I'm go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say that like you look at what, college sports has become and with all the nil stuff i'd argue it's almost more important to have someone that has that business sense that, as opposed to someone mm. that maybe is a little bit more experienced specifically in college football because i mean college football as a whole is going to change like we've already seen massive changes compared to even just a decade ago in terms of what sort of recruiting entails and sort of how we're seeing nil factor into it and so like for me when i look at how your uh, is going to be able to continue to sort of develop as a commissioner he's going to need help when it comes to understanding the what universities have in their own best interest but when it comes to understanding the product like you can understand the big 12 product pretty well from the outside i would think like it it's <laughs> not that hard to right understand a the demographics of each school b sort of the strengths that we've seen in sports whether it be the basketball conference being the best conference in the country for the last seven or so years and and then also just understanding kind of like what the avenues forward for each university is like that's going to be stuff where if he ta- where he takes on this role, he's going to be able to understand that stuff. Like you're going to have to, it's almost a requisite to understand it. So I'm not worried in the slightest when it comes to information. I think the biggest part of this that is the case with any commissioner is making sure the universities, the presidents and the ADs all work with them and cooperate because the ADs aren't are trying to play hardball and don't like their own commissioner. That makes it a lot more difficult. And I mean, from all accounts, the fact that everyone was on board with it makes it seem like especially on the president side of things that we're headed in the right direction in that sense. Well, I'd love to know who those two, I think who those two athletic directors are. That was not smart. Unless it was Texas and OU, then I just don't really care. But like, come on, you're gonna have to talk to this guy on the phone. I know his anonymity and he'll be nice, whatever. That's, that's not helping anybody. It really does not help anybody. Also, I think the one important thing to think about this, um, when he's selling this, this television contract that's coming up here, all right, it's not about, under, to me, this next round of negotiations is not about understanding um, TCU football and where TCU football can be sold. And be- it is in some ways, but like, really, I think this is going to be identi- identifying players, and I mean players in the TV space, the media space, who want to get in on the college football action that maybe aren't yet. I think that's the Big 12's best thing because, look, guys, we're, we know, we're all honest about this. The Big 12's strength is not going to be you know, giving you prime time, massive matchups every single week. Like I think the big 12's best value is going to be giving you volume of really interesting games and also volume of very dedicated fan bases that you can, that, you know, stuff you can put on your Apple TV plus on your Paramount pluses on your Hulu's on your Netflix's, you know, whoever wants to get in this Amazon, whoever, whoever wants to get in these space. I think that's where they're going to have to, they're going to have to go. 
which is a pretty big departure from what George Klyavkov said. He believes the next round of television deals are going to be predominantly linear cable. I don't know if that's the best way for this conference to go, which kind of leads us to, to this really big thing. Like the TV contract to me is the number one thing that I think about that he has to nail. It is the number when I think about, okay, what's the number one? It might not be the first thing on his agenda. I think actually John Texas and OU together might be. Now we have a commissioner, maybe to talk about, all right, what's the exit fee? Maybe that can actually happen. Maybe, maybe that that's next, but the number one topic, the cloud that looms over all of this, in my opinion, is the next TV deal. And it's because of things like the ACC's deal sucks. The Pac-12 deal is up. The Big Ten is going to negotiate their deal, but we're not really close to the Big Ten. I think I'm comparing more the Big 12 to the ACC and the Pac-12. Can you get within striking distance of those conferences with this next TV deal? So, John, that's where my mind went first. What, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I did. I definitely thought about the the Oklahoma-Texas thing because I think it is going to be right. relevant and it's going to be an issue there. But, yeah, number one for the conference is going to be the TV deal because that's going to be the thing that drives long-term sustainability. And they have, I feel like, an equally you know um, marketable conference to the ACC. Yes, you've got Florida State and, and Clemson, Miami's coming up. But other than that, like, I mean, it's not – Littered, I don't think. Wake Forest like, played really Pitt in the championship game last with, year with great powerhouse, <laughs> I mean, you know, programs. I mean, Virginia Tech's got a great fan base too, but I really do think that like the suck, Big Twelve has. I mean, BYU may not be the national power, but they've got a great fan base. It's nationwide. You know, Houston's in a great media market. TCU's in a great media market. Cincinnati is in a great football market. I mean, there's there's a a lot of really good things to sell about the Big 12's TV contract, and yeah, that's. That's going to be number one. I mean, yes, they're going to try and get as you know get a deal done with Texas and Oklahoma to figure that out, but that's not going to be top of priority for him. He's going to start scouting out, and I, I think the streaming thing is going to be huge for them because yes, you might be able to get some of these linear deals going where you have your games on on network. But what about the games that aren't going to be the the prime game in that regional space? They got to go somewhere. So why not put it on Amazon Prime? I think that'd be a huge opportunity for the Big Twelve. All right, one quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com today for the best prices on parts for your car or truck. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 from a chain store, 216 at rockauto.com. It's a family-run business serving do-it-yourselfers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I'll go to you, Stephen, now on this. Is that issue number one for you? Or are you somebody who thinks of maybe CFP expansion? Uh, is you know Because I know that's something people are, people are thinking about. Is you know, are you with the TV deal side of things, or is was number your number one thought something else? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of 1A and 1B, but I feel like the TV deal and the CFP expansion sort of go hand in hand. I mean, and the expansion being, okay, can you get to eight teams? And then if there's going to be automatic qualifiers, is there a way that you stay, you know, in the mix? One fascinating thing to me about the TV deal too is, and I just sort of thought about this as you were saying it, because you mentioned like maybe a way to go is to be kind of a little off the beaten path and go with a streaming service. You know, it's interesting, like, as I think about the Big 12 and, you know, the future of it with the teams that are going to be left, like, I think there's a lot of really good teams, competitive teams, but the identity has really shifted. And you, you look at, like, Baylor, they're more defensive-minded now. Like, Oklahoma State has become more, you know, physical, run the football, defensive-minded. We'll see what Texas Tech does. I know Emory will have better insight on that. I know Zach Kitley's a great OC, but, like, Joe McGuire is a defensive coach. Those are his roots. And it's almost like, man, would would sort of the gimmicky, like, offensive explosion that they used to have, would that have been a better product. sell, a better product right. for a bunch of teams that aren't a flagship? I'm like, hey, it might not be the best, you know, star power in the world, but you're going to see 50 points. Like, yeah, we're going to sell you 52-45 yeah. is what we're selling you. Yeah, right. right. You, can, you can flip on Tech-Cincinnati and it's going to be 52-45. You're going to see a lot of <laughs> touchdowns. And that's not what this conference is going to be now. So it's sort of like, how do you find that? Yeah, Cincinnati's great. Like they have like NFL players. Luke Fickle's a, a really good coach. Team, that was a defensive football team. But yeah, they're a, I mean, they're a physical defensive football team. Yes. Um, so can't like, can anybody outside of the SEC sell that, you know, on a, on a big stage? That'll be part of the, the issue too. But I, I think, yes, TV contracts staying in the forefront of the college ball landscape. And just making sure that people are have eyeballs on your games is going to be the biggest challenge here. Well, that that's that's the trade off, right? That's the big trade off. Emory is if you go to a street, you know, this is this is a conversation we've had a bunch, but like you have to return to it. If you take a big check from a streaming service, for example, an Apple TV Plus, right? Apple TV Plus really, they, I'm not sure if you guys saw it, they really dropped the bag for MLS. Two hundred million dollars, I think, was the television contract somewhere in that neighborhood. For Major League Soccer to go to MLS, plus has a good following, but really, I mean, it's got a good following. That's the reason why they're dropping the bag for it, right? They they know that diehard MLS fans are going to get that uh, Apple TV Plus to watch, and that's the thing is like that's where the money is for these TV companies, these me I should say media companies, is the subscription part of it. Because Emory, for example, like you can speak to this, if Tech was playing on Apple TV Plus exclusively, I mean, there'd be you know people might not love it. There'd be a whole heck of a lot of people getting the Apple TV Plus subscription. I, mean, I can't think of anybody who wouldn't go and do it. And think about it this way: like, you know, I know it's, it might be tough for fans to swallow, but you're kind of investing in in the the Big Twelve as well. But I just want your thoughts on the on that, Emery, like the trade off of visibility on a linear cable versus the probably maybe the higher dollar figure from a maybe CBS wants you on Paramount Plus. It's it's still a big TV company, but they want to put you in the plat the paid platform instead yeah so i think first off one of the things i kind of wanted to bring up was at the end of the day this discussion on tv deal i don't think initially is going to come down to pure money because at the end of the day we've seen whether it be an mls whether it be an f1 whether it be even like indycar and the impending possible deals with the nba going forward we see that there's going to be a host of new players coming to the table and whether it be streaming services or linear cable the money's going to be there because linear cable companies don't want to lose their leverage on the sports market. 
And mm -hmm. obviously these streaming services have heavy monetization on kind of at stake if they're able to kind of tap into the sports market more effectively. So the money deals are going to be there. I think it, what your mark's job is going to have to be is going to be figuring out sort of how to leverage that to get the, be the best combination of pure money as well as getting a schedule that's friendly in terms of large amounts of eyeballs on the product. Because if you look back to some other, some former presidents of comp conferences that have kind of gone towards the streaming route, obviously this was a few years ago, so things weren't quite as developed, but I remember back to the conference USA signing a deal with stadium. And yeah. if you look at that, it was a complete disaster. And now right. obviously Apple and Amazon and Netflix coming in with their own product is completely different than stadium from a funding standpoint and from a product standpoint, but the same problem exists when you make a subscription based service and you make it at least a little bit harder for the average viewer of Texas tech football to come and watch whatever Joe McGuire is putting on the field, then you risk losing eyeballs to the product, which then down the line hurts you in the next deal, because then the streaming services can sort of say, well, this deal didn't work out for us. So you're kind of tying your hand there. And so for me, the trade-off really comes down to like, if you're going to go down the route of having a streaming deal, I feel like you have to make sure that you kind of load it up with provisions that allow you to still have set amounts of premier games on linear cable television and still have the ability to work with like a CBS. And even if you do have set number of games on Paramount, still being able to draw that because at the end of the day, like you're not going to go anywhere without viewership. And right. the, as of now, I'm with Klyovkov on the Pac-12 on what he thinks on this. And in the, until we see the streaming services get widespread enough that you're getting anywhere close to the amount of viewers as you would get on normal cable until you have that amount of subscribers on any of the platforms, then college football, college athletics in general can't survive off of pure streaming platforms. And so I think down the line, it's a potential avenue, but right now you have to make sure you get a deal that can combine the cable television and then maybe bring in some streaming because I do think there's an avenue for it in the future, but it's not going to be sustainable right now. Well, I mean, think about it. Like the Big 12 actually has the model now, right? I mean, how many times have people complained? Oh my God, you know, it's predetermined for basketball. Like we get these top like 15 matchups on ESPN plus pretty much routinely. It's because the conference is so damn good. Like pretty, we pretty routinely see like top 15 games, you know, uh, who was, I forget who it was from West Virginia was complaining in Congress was like, you know, we don't have the best internet here in West Virginia. Sorry. It always ends up being West Virginia fans, doesn't it? And they're like, you know, we can't watch our, our team play, which sucks. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm really sorry for you all out there. But it's kind of interesting. The Big 12 is is in this space already. I will say the Pac-12 is fighting their way out of a bit of a hole, right? The Pac-12 network was such an out-and-out -out disaster. Now, the streaming stuff, I'm not, I, you know, I, I know some people work for it. It's fine, whatever. But, like, they they their big problem is they're not their big games are not at normally good times. Like, there are not a whole lot of great Pac-12 football games on at normal times. There's a lot of fun ones that happen late at night, but, like, you, and you'll get the Oregon versus uh, Stanford, maybe, as a Saturday night football sometimes. But, like, they're not hitting home runs uh, in the way they want to. So they're fighting an uphill battle, which I think is something interesting. From their standpoint, the Big 12 is not they're, – they're fighting the uphill battle because they don't have the teams necessarily, the brands that they're losing, which brings me to John now. Uh, John, do you think because there is a businessman who is not attached to Oklahoma and Texas at all? I mean, this guy is, you know, spent a lot of time and he's from New Jersey, went to Indiana, 
uh, done a lot of in a lot of his business in New York. Like he's like, all right, let's cash out Oklahoma and Texas. Let's get the biggest check from these guys. Either we're going to monetize them on the way out by having them, you know, drive up TV revenue for us, or we're going to cash them out and grab, grab as much money as possible from them on the way out. What do you think is going to happen now that we know who the man is and he's a businessman from the East Coast, baby? Are you saying that a guy from New Jersey is going to sell him an insurance policy? Yeah, sorry, that's, that's a terrible New Jersey accent. That is that's the worst Italian accent. Ever. <laughs> yes, yeah, Italian. My Italian is not as good as my uh, my Australian, mate, but it's okay. That's better. Um, yeah, it's a little bit better. I've been watching a lot of Bluey. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, so <laughs> terrible. Um, I do think that it's going to speed up negotiations. I think that he's probably going to hold Oklahoma and Texas to the fire, like. We you have no leverage. You can stay till 2025, which he's right. Oklahoma and Texas don't really have any leverage, or you can pay out and pay what we want you to pay and get out early. And I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to for Oklahoma and Texas. Do they want to pay what's being demanded of them, or do they just want to sit out or sit and wait their time? And I and I think Oklahoma and Texas will end up kind of paying. Now, I don't think the Big Twelve. I guess let me just say it this way. Sorry, I'm sweating. No, you're good. Uh, the, the the Oklahoma and Texas, they don't really have any reason to stay in the Big 12 except for money. If they can come up with the money, Oklahoma just got the deal with ESPN for Sooner Vision. They're getting money from all kinds of donors right now for you know stadium upgrades, uh, a new stadium. I, I feel like they can find the money. There's been a lot of talk about whether or not Oklahoma has the money. I think they can find the money to pay the buyout, whatever it ends up being. It's Oklahoma. There's enough oil in this, in this state that somebody would be willing to give them that money to go to the SEC early. That said, will Oklahoma want to ask of it? That remains to be seen. The rumor is Texas already has the money stowed away unless they spend it all on all their new recruits and Arch Manning. I don't know. We'll see. Arch Manning for SEO purposes, getting them in there. Uh, all right. One more word from our sponsors. We'll wrap things up a little bit of Arch Manning talk. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. Uh, it's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs starting over and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Bet Online is the fastest way and easiest way to check all your favorite uh, sports, including MMA, boxing, golf, F1. No live golf, boo live golf. Uh, you guys can go do that at bet online and betonline.net. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, Steven, uh, the last oh, let's wait. Are you no Quinn Ewers is your guy? Arch Manning is not your guy, is he? I defended Quinn Ewers on the show before, yes, because he okay. uh, <laughs> he went and got more money after spending a hot second at Ohio State. <laughs> do uh, all right, I'll get a quick yes or no answer from, from everybody here. Do we see Arch Manning in the Big 12? Steven. No. Emery. No. John. No. No. If if he were gonna have to play in the Big 12, he'd probably be at uh, Alabama or Georgia. You don't think he'd want to play in the Big 12 for a year? I think he'd want to. It was surprising to me that he committed to Texas to begin with with all the SEC ties. Like I'm actually not shocked. I'm not shocked he went to Texas at all. I'm I'm not surprised. I think I think that's an offensive coordinator thing. I also, I also think like this this wave of recruits we're seeing right now is pretty. That I mean that was going to happen. Like I, I think we knew that there was going to be a pretty big wave once he 
once they decide to, to make the call on this. All right, folks. There you go. There's your SEO. There's your there's your, we call it SEO in the business. Everybody out there. Uh, there's your Arch Manning talk. We slid in here. Time for plugs. Everybody can tell us what you got going on, where they can find you, everything. Steven Simcox, you're up first. Yeah, show is uh, Locked on Horn Frogs. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're everywhere you should podcast. Um, at Simcox Steven is my personal Twitter handle. At Locked on TC is the show's Twitter handle. Um, plenty of off-season recruiting news right now. TC actually had Trevor Goosby, an offensive lineman. He flipped to Texas after the Arch Manning commitment this past week. So um, we'll kind of revisit where they go from here on the offensive line front. Emery. You can follow my personal Twitter account at Eraser41 to see whatever I'm tweeting there. Obviously, Locked On Texas Tech, the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at Locked On TTU. Been trying to kind of develop some polls there. We're doing a football preview series where I take a look at each of the individual opponents. Obviously, I've already started with Murray State and with Houston. Going to do NC State next week. Hopefully, I have some visitors on coming soon. And beyond that, just be ready for some position previews I've got coming on the pod on YouTube, wherever your podcast as well. It's a good time to be tuned in to Locked On Texas Tech. John. Yeah, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners, on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And the show is on YouTube as well, Locked On Sooners. Make sure you go back and listen to our interviews with uh, 2023 commits, Jackson Arnold, Joshua Bates, and Caleb Hicks, as well as a transfer from Michigan pitcher Alex Storacco for the softball team. That one was a big time show. Good time listening to her tell her story about when Patty Gasso called. Just great times over there. And we're going to have Parker Thune on uh, this week to give us an Oklahoma recruiting update. So check that out at Locked On Sooners. All right, I got to shout out our guy, Drake C. Tolley. He's using this show. So uh, everybody at Locked On Baylor, I hope you guys are enjoying this show. Make sure you guys check out Locked On Baylor if you're interested in that type of thing. You guys can find me on Twitter at uh, Josh Neighbors underscore. Yeah, that's what it is. You guys can find the show at LO Big 12. You guys can subscribe on YouTube, and you guys can find us on future podcasts. Subscribe, friends. We're trying to get this thing to 1,000. We hit 900 today, trying to get to 1,000 before the season starts. I know we don't always have everything about your team all the time, but it is worth it, is worth it if you're a Big 12 fan to also subscribe to Locked On Big 12 in addition to whatever your favorite team is in the conference in their podcast. Do it. All right, guys. Fun stuff. See you all tomorrow or next week. Sometime. I'll see you then. Sometime. See, you yeah, sometime. Time. Yeah, see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>